You are listening to the Wesley Seminary Podcast out of Wesley Seminary at Iwu. Your host today is Dr. Aaron Perry, Assistant Professor of Pastoral Care. Joining us today is Pastor B, Dr. Laurel Buckingham, uh, CEO of the uh, Buckingham Leadership Institute. Uh, if you were with us last week, then you got a sense of the positivity of the excitement that Dr. B brings to uh, whatever community he is in. We finished up by talking about the culture of the leadership at the church. Uh, Pastor B, let me just kind of put you on the spot then with this. Could you share with us maybe the the toughest time you had keeping that sense of trust, that sense of inverse paranoia in your ministry? When was the toughest time you had to keep that attitude going? I don't know that it was tough to keep that attitude going once I realized and had enough self-awareness to figure all this out. I, I would all, I would say, however, if this is of any value, when I didn't have this all figured out, my toughest times were early on here when we had intense polarization and I thought it was all the fault of a militant group that was opposed to me. In fact, they were so opposed to me that they got up a petition to vote me out. And I was so battle-worn and battle-weary and tired, I signed the petition. I wanted to go more than anybody wanted me to go, but uh, I knew that God wanted me here and I couldn't go. And so I, I was in those days, I was just totally beat up and worn down. But it was... As I reflect on it now, once I figured out the difference between security and insecurity and how to become secure and and the damage that insecurity does. And when I talk about insecurity, I don't know how to describe it in a way that people really relate. But I think it has an awful lot to do with being fearful, fearful of outcomes of decisions, fearful of people, fearful of having to deal with people. One of the things that I feel very, very strong about is the need for one-on-one conversations, no matter how many of them you have to have with people who don't understand, uh, one-on-one conversations uh, with the influencers. They claim about one out of 15 people are influencers, and some are official and some are unofficial, but those are the people that we need to invest in because they can then in turn influence others. And so a lot of people they either uh, fight or take flight. In other words, they get on the defensive and come on like gangbusters with some of those types of people that are giving them pushback, or they, which is just as bad, they avoid dealing with the issues that need to be dealt with. Someone has said there's two kinds of problems in the church. There's cancer problems and measles problems. Not much sense of spending much time with the measles problem, but you better spend time with the cancer problem Mm. or they'll kill you. Now, sometimes it's hard to figure out which is cancer and which is measles, but that's a judgment call that as leaders we we have to end up making. And and so I I feel like uh, to invest in people with patience and understanding and compassion, but candor and clarity, and then follow up uh, those sessions because they're going to sense rejection if we have to confront them. So we have to be twice as accepting afterwards as we were before just to stay even and and so what i'm finding is pastors develop attitudes bad attitudes toward their people and here's the way i look at it i think we're we're into this all the time as pastors i mean we're inundated we're reading we're listening we're doing this kind of stuff we're uh, meeting with our peers and and we're 
We're just living this stuff day in and our dear people are not doing that. They've got their jobs, they've got other responsibilities. So let's just say we've taken a thousand steps to get from where we once were to where we now are. Our people have not had that opportunity and sometimes we expect them to take those thousand steps in one gigantic step. They can't do it. We wouldn't have been able to do it either. Nobody can do that. And so we have to patiently and with understanding, with teaching, with explanation, with uh, literature, whatever. There's all kinds of different ways to do this. We have to help them to see where we're coming from. Now, I don't know where the question started, but I know I went down about 14 rabbit trails there, but had fun doing it. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you this. Uh, maybe in your own in your own ministry, maybe in the ministry of somebody else, we probably have people listening in that they're saying, "I can't tell if this is a measles problem or if this is a cancer problem." Um, a two part question. Number one is, how can you tell the difference between measles problems and cancer problems? And number two, what would you suggest to a person who made a misdiagnosis and maybe they they thought something was a, a bigger problem than it was? And, and how do they deal with the outflow? So one, how do, can you tell the difference between measles problems and cancer problems? And two, what advice would you have for the, the leader who made a misdiagnosis? Can I go to the misdiagnosis first? First, sure. because I'm afraid I'm going to forget that one. Is I tell you one of the things that I, I really think, and you talked about openness, and this again is a humility factor. Uh, one of the tragedies with so many leaders is they, if they make a stupid mistake, they won't admit it. They don't think they think that if they admit the mistake, people are going to think they made a mistake that they didn't, that the people didn't need, that didn't know they made. Well, everybody knows that, that they made a mistake if they've made a stupid mistake. And so, the quicker we can admit the mistake and and get by it, the quicker we can move on. And so. Uh, I would say, you know, we just need to be open and honest and transparent if we've misdiagnosed or whatever we have done that has messed anything up. We need to quickly admit it. And then was your first question again? How can you tell the difference between measles and cancer? What are some of the signs to yeah. get a good diagnosis? I don't know that I can really answer that uh, clearly. Uh, here's here's what I would say. Uh it's something that has to be thought through and assessed depending on what it what the problem seems to be but what i believe in is having three or four real trusted wise people that if i don't know clearly for sure what i think the answer is and can't be maybe 100% objective to to get the input of other people who can help me in that assessment and and figure out whether this is something that really needs to be dealt with or if it's something that will work itself out. To pull up uh, an insight that you had from uh, our previous podcast is the you talked about the importance of rest and uh, renewal and taking good vacation and, and even talking about a sabbatical. And I wonder if one of the things that I might I might say I would develop as advice from this podcast would be to say don't don't make critical diagnoses when you're not at your best, right? Don't make critical diagnoses uh, when you're tired or worn out or discouraged. But um, into having that 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 counsel of wisdom to to be at your best whenever you're making big decisions and and important yeah. choices. Along this line, along that line of what you're talking about, I, even though you're not necessarily asking me this. 
I, I think we need to get all the feedback that we possibly can get from wherever we can get it and be open to that feedback. I I looked upon feedback as a gift. I look upon I looked upon it and still do still do in what I'm doing now as gold. If you strike gold, what are you going to do? You're going to dig for more. Now, if it's coming from a very extreme negative perspective, there still might be some gold in that feedback. And rather than just resent it or turn my back on it because of where it came from or whatever, I if I can't figure out for myself whether there's some value in that feedback, I I have two or three trusted people that I know they will tell me what I want or they'll tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. And and I'm telling you, one of the greatest tragedies of an insecure leader is their lack of objectivity. And and when you stop and think of the complicated issues that we have to deal with, I mean, even with being as objective as we can possibly be, it's still difficult enough. But you imagine if somebody's trying to dif- deal with difficult issues and it's all confusing because of their subjectivity and they just take the simple and make it complicated rather than the complicated and make it simple. I say it's like trying to get around Boston with a like with a map of Toronto. You can't even get around Boston hardly with a map of Boston, let alone a map of Toronto. And so that's what happens when people have fears and insecurities. They don't see things as they really are. They see things as they themselves are. And if they're twisted, then they're going to see things in a twisted way. Pastor B, let me uh, shift into uh, one more question here uh, for you. Is You obviously had a long run in ministry, a very long run at one church as well. Suppose we've got people in their first year, second year, fifth year, tenth year of ministry. What advice would you have for the person who wants to be at the same church for 20 plus years? Well, that probably could take two or three hours, but we'll just take two or three minutes here. Uh, I think, first of all, we have got to really love our people. Now, just to say I love my people and all that doesn't mean a blessed thing. Love is action. And in every which way we can possibly convey that love through action and talking to people and encouraging people and touching people and mingling with people and and. Uh, being in situations where there are people, you know, I talk to a lot of pastors, for example, who resent having to go to a birthday party or an anniversary or this kind of thing. I look upon that as prime time. I don't have to stay for the whole thing, but I can go in there and mingle and ask them how the dog is and how the grandmother is and, and, and how the kids are and so on. And just uh, by action and by purposeful planned dialogue, uh, they get the feeling that I care. And and also, in a large church like this, it's just unbelievable how vicarious it is. Because I could be at one side of that auditorium and 100, 150 feet away, people seeing, seeing me loving on somebody by some kind of interaction and laughter or compassionate appearance or whatever the case may be. Even though they may not know me, maybe I've never met them, they're feeling it themselves, even though they're at a distance. And not only not only does that happen, it develops a culture where everybody else catches on and is doing the same thing. And so people come into that kind of an atmosphere. Well, people love 
that atmosphere. People, whether they admit or not, they want to be valued. They want to be encouraged. They want to be appreciated. And, and that just multiplies. And, uh, and then uh, I think uh, another major factor, and, and this is easier said than done, and a lot of people say they do it, but what they really do may be a question. We've got to be, as we, if we're going to be there long term, we've got to be reinventing. We've got to be learning, 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 and working hard at learning and working hard at whatever leadership we have to give to the church to connect with today's culture. When I just as an example, when and I came to this church uh, almost 50 years ago now. Uh, the services were very formal. No, and you looked at the bulletin and you were supposed to stand and sit just without any announcement and all that sort of thing. Well, we are the antithesis of formality at this point. But but even even to a greater degree, as you know, the music, there is, there's just no resemblance, you know. And, and uh, uh, you know, I... I'm not uh, that crazy. I, in fact, I, my problem is I don't like music, period. But anyway, regardless of it, so I didn't have any problem with any, any music that came on the scene because I, I didn't much like any of it. But, but the truth is we had to have the kind of music. And, and boy, that's just an ongoing, continual, continual change. And then I would say, right along with that, when people would ask me the question, why has your church continued to grow over the years? Well, my answer was always this. Probably to give you a full answer, it would be too complex and too complicated to answer you right now. But if you want a simple answer, here's the simple answer. Our people have moved from a selfish agenda in general to an unselfish agenda. What do I mean? Our people have moved from an agenda that's dictated by, is this what I like? Is this what I enjoy? Is this what I approve of? Is this what I'm comfortable with? Is this what I'm uh, that meets my need? It's, it, they've gone from that agenda of a me, 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 me type of agenda to look, whether I like it or not, whether it's the thing that I enjoy the most or not, whether it's my style or whatever, if it's helping us reach people for Christ and see people in today's world get established in that relationship, then I am going to be 100% for it, regardless of whether I like it or not. And that became, in this church, a high value. It almost became a matter of pride. I don't like this, but what's that got to do with anything? I'm willing to go for it because I know what the purpose behind it is. Joining us today is Dr. Laurel Buckingham, Pastor B, uh, previously senior pastor at Moncton Wesleyan Church and now CEO of the Buckingham Leadership Institute. I encourage you to check out the website, uh, www.ldbuckingham.com, to see some more info, insights, to see what uh, Pastor B is up to, and to see what um, thoughts are also streaming from his, his blog and Twitter feed as well. Uh, thanks so much, Pastor B, for joining us today. This is my great Great pleasure. There's nothing that I would enjoy doing any more than this. Well, I'll take that as a, an openness to be back on the podcast again sometime. So I'll, I'll take you up on that. Uh, and we hope that, that you feel invited to keep joining into the podcast as well, listeners. Thanks for joining in today. Hope it's been insightful for you. And continue to check us out at Wesley Seminary 
by uh, checking out the website, by looking at, uh, checking us out on Twitter and Facebook as well. Thanks so much, so much for tuning in today, and have a great day. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the name Wesley Seminary.